0: Welcome everyone to this particular episode of uh, the Hindu Parlay podcast. Today we are discussing on whether India is ready to host the 2036 Olympics or not. Uh, we have with us Manisha Malotra, who's the head of sports excellence and scouting with JSW Sports. Uh, Manisha herself has been a uh, a renowned tennis player. She uh, participated at the Sydney Olympics in 2000 and uh, was a silver medalist at the Busan Nation Games in 2002. Manisha is also a recipient of the International Olympic Committee's Women in Sport Award World Trophy in 2012 for her contribution to women in sports. Welcome Manisha.
1: Thank you so much, Utra.
0: <laughs> we also have uh, Norris Freetham who's a veteran journalist uh, of over three decades experience he's covered six olympics starting way back in atlanta in 96 he's covered seven asian games the commonwealth games the world athletic championships and he's been a middle distance runner of renown himself so welcome norris to this uh, podcast thank thank you Uthra. thank you thank you so much for the kind words We'll just go straight into the uh, main topic. Uh, If I start off with the most obvious and cliched question, if it may, uh, what exactly does hosting an Olympic entail, according to both of you? Why is it a prestige issue for nations to host one? What does it take to host an Olympics, if I might ask you that? Manisha, would you like to go first?
1: Sure well i think that uh, i think that from a from a sporting pi- point of view um, the olympics are the pinnacle of of sport and it is one of these it has turned out to be one of these events that kind of then showcase not only your nation and and present it to the world but also the soft power that comes b- before b- with it i mean you have all heads of state you have different sports people you like essentially for those 14 days The whole world is talking about your country in the in the case of the Olympics, the city that where the Olympics are being held. So it is a huge honor. It is a huge event, but an event with that size of uh, and that magnitude really kind of brings to the forefront not only the good of the nation, but also magnifies the bad, which which, it becomes a double edged sword uh, hosting an Olympics, even even for. Seasoned countries, which which have hosted multiple Olympics, there are always challenges. I mean, we saw what happened when Beijing hosted uh, the two thousand and eight games. There was a lot of pushback, and there was a lot of like negative publicity. Also, even with Paris and the bed bugs for for people who want to talk about what's happening lately. So, I think that there there is a lot of uh, advantages, but it's it is a very tightrope to walk on.
0: Okay.
2: Uh, Norris, your take on this? I think I actually agree with what Manisha said. And uh, talking about the soft power, I think uh, as we run into Olympics uh, year after year, or you know, these Olympic Games are also kind of a political statement. You know, if India manages to get the Games and imagine the kind of, the prestige, a kind of, you know, uh, we get to hear as it is. uh, India is a global power right now, and uh, we'll go many folds up in that. So it's not just A versus B winning or losing. Olympics are much else beyond the inside the track or inside the hall or inside the boxing ring. It's much else beyond that outside it where, you know, uh, people talk about you. The heads of state come to your place, to your city, or to the country. And the tourists come. So it's it's a socially, economically, and uh, uh, and as as Manisha is a marketing person, it's a big marketing spin also. So it's a big big thing, and is a huge prestige for the game, provided the games are held and you know without any uh, confusion or uh, sort of. Um, Bad mouth and all, as Manisha talked about Beijing. But ultimately, I think once the games start and people start winning, I think people forget about all those things. And the the legacy of the games remains that, okay, Carl Lewis ran in this, or like people, when in in India we talk about Tokyo, we're not talking about Tokyo only. The moment you said Tokyo, immediately the name comes. Neeraj Chopra. These are the kinds of things that remain after the Games and I'm I'm sure if we manage the Games, uh, manage to get the Games, it will
0: be the same. Thank you for uh, those uh, insightful things. Uh, if I might ask, uh, like you've both been at multiple Olympics across the world, you know, in different capacities, different countries, Europe, Asia, Rio in South America. So if I can ask, what according to you, are some of the absolute necessities, the non-negotiables, as it were, to make an Olympic successful. What would they be? What would you list as the non-negotiables? And uh, not just from the government, from all the stakeholders, the government, the sports associations, the NOCs, the general public, because uh, the public and volunteers are the backbone for any major event at uh, of this scale. So, what would you guys say uh, if I ask you what are the non-negotiables that make an Olympic successful or unsuccessful, as it were? Norris, you've been to more games than I have. <laughs> I think um, uh,
2: what you're, uh, Uttara, what you're asking is the neg- non-negotiable. Let's uh, the general perception in India or in most countries like India, is that the Games are given to India or to China or to Beijing or to so-and-so. But actually, the Games are the property of the International Olympic Committee and are given to the National Olympic Committee. So the first thing which is absolutely uh, non-negotiable is a, a very, very strong NOC, which talks about in the unison. I mean, you can't have bidding for the Games and we have three parallels going along in uh, NOC, which spoils the case. So this is something very, very important. The government comes later. Of course, NOC cannot work without government, but the games are actually given to the NOC. So NOC has to be in the National Olympic Committee, in our case, the Indian Olympic Association. And if you remember, I mean, two, two weeks back, the IOC said it in Bombay that you have to have a CEO because they are talking about Indian Olympic Association, you're not talking about India's government, that comes later. And the second thing I think is a legacy and what are we going to, what are the, uh, we are going to offer to the people uh, in the years to come and uh, the people's participation, the social structure and uh, whether we can build those kind of roads or not. So this is a very complete package. It's not, as I said earlier, it's not just winning or losing. I mean, a country may win the uh, bid to games and yet may not win several gold medals. But if they give you the good games, I think it's very good. So, NOC relations with the the IOC and in then with the international, with the national government at the time and also the opposition. I remember when we bid for the Commonwealth Games, we wanted a letter from the opposition and Mr. Suresh Karmadi woke up, Mr. Uh, Atal Vihari Vajpayee, the Prime Minister at that time, and he, I think 30 at night, it was in India, and he woke up and he signed, yes, and we got a letter from Sonia also, Gandhi also at that time. So these are very important things people don't know really. So it's a, it's a very difficult uh,
1: task at the same time, but it's manageable. Yeah, I completely agree with, with Norris on that. I think that to host any games cohesion is the first thing and i think that's where india will really struggle i mean i think that we are very uh, we are a united group i agree but we don't know how to work with each other very well so you know the noc is is the is the pivot of this whole thing it is the center of this whole olympic universe and the noc has to be governed completely above board completely very efficiently and hosting a games involves So many different cogs in this big wheel, which kind of have to kind of work together, whether it's culture, heritage, hospitality, infrastructure, finance, government, sport, sports authority, the development. So there's there's several moving parts that have to work in cohesion with everyone else. I mean, I was just in Paris a couple of days ago and I was doing our recce for, for us when we go to Paris next year. And it's amazing. You know, the culture departments are working with the museums. Every local garden has some Olympic history and Olympic event happening out of it. Um, the transport systems, there are lanes and, and roads being earmarked just for that. And a funny thing was that all of Paris right now seems under construction. And there's like this deep clean that's happening, whether it's because of the bed bugs or whether, you know, they're just trying to get things ready. And everybody's working at this frenetic pace to get this these you know the city ready and I was talking to a Parisian and I'm like you know what is your opinion on the Olympics are you excited and do you think it'll be you think you guys will be ready and uh, her answer to me was very great like that she said whether we're ready or not our our people are so proud and so united about the games that we will make it happen and we will all reunite at and at, at the last minute and even if it's not ready make sure that the games are a success and i think that was tells a lot for the society and i think that's where we really need to get at i mean whether it's the media you know we saw with the commonwealth games how it was the, there were so many challenges and those cha- every small challenge was highlighted and almost blown out of proportion and it really kind of takes back from the overall joy of hosting a game so i'm not sure if we'll be able to kind of you know galvanize the troops and get them all together first for an uh, event like this.
0: That's really uh, informative, what you told about Paris and the whole pride that people take in it. I'll come to the main question now, like the main topic here that we were supposed to discuss. Are we ready to do it in 2036? Is 13 years enough time to get everything in order? Because the kind of things that both of you have named, the kind of things that you have listed, it sounds easy, but bringing about that change in terms of the mentality, the civic sense, the cultural aspect, it it is not something that happens overnight. So, you think we have enough time to get everything in order and be ready to host it in 2036?
2: Utra, 13 years, you said, is a long time. I will sort of a little disagree on that. Thirteen years for hosting the games is not a long time. It's a very—I mean, if you if you if you want to, even if you want to bid the games, you have to work right now to be make yourself presentable to bid the games. And I, I to say that whether we are ready right now is is is—I think it's not the right question to ask because we are not ready. Let's admit it. We especially, and then it also depends on what city are you offering to the games. And as the buzz is uh, that Ahmedabad will be the city. I mean, do you think really think that Ahmedabad is ready for the games? No. Uh, it's, it's not, again, it's not just the stadium, as Manisha said, hospitality. Imagine 10,000 people come and uh, only the athletes and officials, so you need to have a, a top-class um, uh, village for the games. And we are talking about 2036. That means we have to think in terms of 13 years. Uh, ahead. We can't say, okay, we have a very good uh, stadium right now. Maybe when the games come and you say, this is the stadium, the the host cities, um, uh, the selectors might say, no, this is not what we This is an ancient stadium, an ancient village. So you have to be very far-sighted. People have to think. People have to be a professional. It cannot be done on a political level or CPWD or DDA cannot do this. You have to have specialists, marketing specialists, they can think what we can think about 13 years ahead, the engineers and the scientists and everything, and um, the roads, the bridges, and the connectivity and everything. So it is not the right question to say that or to ask whether we are ready or not, but we have to start from now, if, even if we want to bid. And I think that is the crucial part. And fortunately, the IOC has now said that we have changed the rules a bit, that instead of just one city, you can have a twin city, or to in regions, or even two countries also. I mean, within the same region. If Suppose we say that we can, uh, uh, a country close by, unfortunately or fortunately, the closest country would be Pakistan, which will not like to share with the games. So I think the onus will be on Ahmedabad, if we bid for Ahmedabad. And Ahmedabad has to really work from right away. We have to do, it's not just stadium, a whole lot of things in hospitals, uh, bridges, uh, flyovers, and uh, connectivity, internet connectivity. So, so many things are there. So we are not ready right now. But even even if you want to bid, as I said earlier, we have to make ourselves ready for the bid.
1: Yeah, I mean, I completely agree with that. I, I think that the answer, obviously, is not whether we are ready right now. That That's immaterial. Of course, nobody is ready. Even Paris today is not ready for an Olympics. But Paris will be ready in 2024 when the games are there. Now, again, uh, what Norris brings up is which city are you going to go with? And and I think that is a huge challenge because of the political landscape within the country and, and how we kind of view sport and how each state views sport. So if you ask me, you know, as of right now, that is the due diligence that happening, you know, have the shortlisted of cities, have the requirements and and kind of there are world consultants who who only consult to these big sporting events and start hiring a couple of those to see what the feasible they call feasibility consultants. I mean that's their job. So they can kind of you know give you a report which is which is unbiased and and unpolitical as to which city might be interesting to to host this. But, you know, the the devil really is in the detail here. And I think we need to start from small things. And if we just focus on sport, which is where my expertise lies, I would say, um, the biggest issues, obviously, are governance. I think that Indian sport is governed very, very poorly. I think federations are all in disarray, barring one or two. I think the federations, people in federations do not have a concept of how to create their own wealth, don't have a concept of how to develop their own talent. Uh, they keep relying on on you know just basic government funds and the kind of go through the motions and there's no proactiveness within very many of these federations which 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 i think has to be taken care of and then are the larger social issues i mean anti doping i think I mean, I, we've all seen those viral videos with doping and athletics. Doping is is going to be something that is going to be front and center. It is at a point now where it's growing immensely. It's prevalent. It's spreading like a disease through sport. And and these kind of issues have to be tackled before. I think our, our biggest rival for 2036 would be Budapest. And uh, I was in Budapest earlier this summer. So there is. I mean, if you look at where Budapest is in terms of sport and hosting a big event and and all the facilities around that event versus even Ahmedabad, Delhi, Bhubaneswar, Chennai, Bombay, whichever city you want to take in India, we're not even in the same stratosphere. I think that, you know, we, as Nora said, we have to start being far-sighted, and we really have to make a concerted, like a real deep dive introspect into where we actually are. Uttara, can I add a few things here? Sure, sure, please. You talked about
2: uh, when you introduced me and you said I attended the Atlanta games. And I'll tell you one little incident that all 15 days we were busy covering the games and we're sitting in the main stadium. It was a beautiful stadium, but because of security concerns and all, we couldn't really roam about the stadium. So after the closing ceremony, we came back late at night and next morning, I, and another colleague of mine, we decided to go back to the stadium to see, maybe we thought we'll take some pictures there. And when we reached after breakfast, we saw half the stadium, Atlanta Main Stadium, was already dismantled because the entire stadium, about 80% of the stadium, was a nut and bolt technology. And three days after the closing ceremony of the game, they had a baseball. Uh, season starting there and baseball is huge in America. So that's the kind of thinking you need that within 24 hours, I mean, less than 24 hours, they dismantled the stadium. So, and for this, they must have thought in years in advance that what we are going to do with the stadium. And here, after the 88 eight, 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 tuition game, you all remember the Nehru stadium was shut for uh, several years and it, it became one of the, the most expensive. Uh, junkyard as we call it i think some of the props are still lying there so these are the things that you have to be very very farsighted you cannot say that okay i've got the games games are over thank you goodbye good night no you have to think ahead right now about the bid and if you get the bid, i mean i'm uh, hoping or assuming that you're getting the games then five or ten years down the line what are you going to do with those structures on which you have you have spent some 30, 40 billion dollars. So I think all this, as Manisha said, you need an expert. There are teams of people in different areas, like Doha. I mean, I saw the uh, Asian Games there. The entire Asian Games for Doha was a run by Australians, all the specialists. Even if one day one of our colleagues, he missed the bus by one minute, I think he left the bag and he went inside. And the, girl, the volunteer said, no, the, the bus will start at one o'clock. He can come later. I mean, that's the kind of commitment and discipline we need if we want the games.
1: It shows you who the true sports fan is. Norris is going to the main stadium after the games are finished.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Nor- Nor- Norris would have been there even before the game started just to see
1: how things were shaping up. Exactly. Exactly. The Doha is a very bad example, Norris, because I was just there also earlier this year and what they build, all the infrastructure that they built for the World Cup is lying empty. Like their buildings and buildings and buildings lying empty. Yes. So that's maybe you know, something that
2: they should have done it. This is what I'm saying. We have to think ahead. We have to think of all these things. It's not just getting the games and winning championships and winning medals and all that. You have to have this. Otherwise, it will be a big economic, economic disaster
0: yes thank you so much uh taking on from that question itself this is about the infra and but again if i ask you should we host it and this is not just about the infrastructure or uh, thinking of what to do with the venues or the stadia it's a lot more like you said uh, but if we just concentrate on the performance the sp- sports wise uh, in terms of where we rank, in terms of the global sporting order, can we be confident of at least being in the top 15 by then, in 2036? I'm purely talking in terms of the sporting achievements and performances, if we just keep everything else aside, on the on-field performances. Because if you look at the medals in terms of uh, the hosts uh, vis-a-vis their performance and their rankings in the, on the medal table... Since 2000s, the weakest host has been Greece in 2004, and they too managed a 15th place in the medal tally. Brazil was 13th at Rio, and these are not really sporting powerhouses, but they did manage to finish in the top 15. Uh, Compared to that, India was 48th at the Tokyo Olympics, the latest ones. Do you think we will be good enough, at least in terms of performances, by 2036? to be there in the top 10 or top 15 among the medalists?
2: I won't hazard the guess of the best 15, 20, but after the Asian Games success and before that, uh, I, I have hope. I mean, earlier I didn't have hope, but now I have little hope and I'm optimistic. And for the reason being that people like Manisha, JSW, they have transformed the Indian sport and not just JSW, other... Uh, companies and uh, sponsors also. I mean, imagine Neeraj Chopra is, somebody was asked me one day, where does he stay? Somebody wanted to know, where does he stay? I said, he's an NRI. He doesn't stay in India. <laughs> he's most of the time is out. <laughs> imagine, imagine if people like Shilam Singh earlier, Yohanan, Shivnath Singh, all these people, They maybe I'm not saying that they were better than uh, Neeraj, I'm not even saying that, but they could have done much better than what they did in the 1976 Olympics or 80 Olympics and all that. But all of them, and during the course of writing on book, I asked people, and the common thing was only if we had Facilities, I mean, they were all, all praised for Neeraj, but they say only if we had some facilities like Neeraj had, maybe we would have done much better. Imagine Sri Ram Singh going to Montreal Olympic Games three days before the Games, going to run in the tartan synthetic track, and he was practicing outside the National Stadium grass with the water filled everywhere. So I have hope that because of these facilities, the medical facilities are there, People are traveling abroad, exposure. Sable, for example, I think is a sure the you know, best example of exposure. I mean, if he had been running only command meet and services meet and this meet and that meet, I don't think he would have run such a gallant race in the last uh, few months that he has run. I mean, hats off to him, he's run so well. He's a world-class runner because of these facilities which were not given there earlier. So I'm quite hopeful that if, if this continues, and obviously it will continue because it has given us a lesson and uh, it shows that uh, indians can do it and i'm sure i mean there are uh, people in athletics are particularly because i was an athlete myself i know there are people who train very very hard in fact some of them train over train so there, there is no dearth of talent in india the only thing is somebody has to nurture and support and give exposure at the right time give the medical facilities which are being given to the athletes now and i'm sure people will do well if 15 20 is not very really, i can't say but we will definitely do well
0: Manisha, because, yeah because you are the head of uh, sporting excellence and scouting so
1: so i don't mean to be the buzzkill here but i i really don't i mean if i look at facts and not to be cynical like I'm also very hopeful and I think the hope is always there. But if you look at what the data is and and let's just say 13 years from today, which is 2036, right? Let's look at 13 years prior. I mean, if we say 13 years prior would be what the last games, three games back would be London or Beijing. And we won three medals there, right? In each of those. And then London was better with five. And then we come now to, to seven or eight. How many did we win in Tokyo? Eight, right? Seven. So I, I mean, if you look, even if you double that tally and you say, okay, in, in 2036, we win 15, right? That's still not in the top 15 for starters. One, I think that what is an interesting perspective is we need to develop the sports where there are Multiple medals, cycling, athletics, swimming, rowing, kayak canoeing. Now, these are five sports where, barring athletics now a little bit, we are non-existent. I mean, we don't, between us three sports fans, we can name three people in each of these sports. So, this is going to be the key. How quickly are we able to develop these sports to be able to even, let's say, get two medals out of each? I don't think you're going to be able to do that in 13 years, to be honest. I think that we'll have to start really young. And I think more like a 20-year horizon would be a more realistic one for these sports to be able to win on the Olympic stage. And I don't know why you should be top 15. I think the Olympics can also offer so much more. In India, as you see, you know, the one medalist that we have gets so much more recognition, like even the 100 gold medals from china don't get or from america so it doesn't i don't think top 15 should be much of a benchmark but yes we would have to be comp- comp- like you know competitive across events and we would have to be able to kind of at least be in every final there is let's just say that way uh, Okay. one
0: final question uh closing statements if i may call them the IOC is big. We've talked about infrastructure and venues and white elephants and everything. The 82 example is in front of us. Even the CWG, although uh, to be fair, the C- a lot of venues and CWG are being used regularly now. The IOC is big on sustainability and temporary structures and reuse of stadiums and everything. Given that and uh, the fact that Indian officials and authorities in particular are pretty fond of building huge uh venues just grandiose uh stadia if i may call them how what do you think india should uh be looking at going forward if we do win that bid and how should india progress proceed in uh, developing the facilities
1: well I My opinion is that that uh, temporary movable structures is the way to go. I don't think that anybody can afford to build those big stadias and those big white elephants anymore. Um, even if India would like to do that, they won't be able to afford it. And and as Nora said, that now it's tweaked where you can use several surrounding areas or even other countries. And we would need to do that. For, for example, for Paris 2024, the surfing is happening in French Polynesia, which is near Tahiti. So it would actually be interesting where one big city could do it, but there are events happening all around India. And and that would be a a very interesting model for us, which will allow not only an upgradation of one city, but the upgradation of, of pretty much the whole country in some way. So that will be something that is very, very challenging, of course, because India is a vast country and getting from point A to point B is not uh, very easy. But uh, that would, I think, the only way it would work with sustainability and legacy involved. Uh, Norris, your last words, final words on this? I think we are very fond of, in India, Very,
2: we are very fond of saying the world's largest, Asia's biggest, the first time in India, the first time in Asia, I think we should get over this uh, uh, this mentality. Sports is run according to some technical specifications. If we if we if we can fulfil those technical fulfil uh, uh, specifications in the right and correct manner, it doesn't matter whether you have a stadium holding one lakh people. What's the point in holding a, having a stadium one lakh people that after the game, even ten people don't come uh, come and play gillit under there. So I think we should be technically superb. uh, And that's all. Otherwise, open-air stadium, like in, um, uh, of course, I was not there in um, uh, Hangzhou, but I saw the hockey stadium uh, on television and the buses were passing by on the road behind it. So, you know, and it, it doesn't need any big stadium. I mean, they knew that maybe the hockey will not attract that kind of crowd. So why have that big stadium? And, and, be, and, and to say that, because and this and that, I think, like Manisha said, uh, temporary structures can be built and have the games. And after that, it can be used for communities. Once you have a giant of a stadium, obviously you won't like the kids to play there every day because you will feel... I mean, one sports minister once said the Nehru Stadium should be locked, otherwise the track will get spoiled. I mean, imagine if the track gets spoiled by running, what else will you do with the track? And finally, without playing, anyone running there, the track got spoiled. If people had run, maybe he didn't know that track would have more life with more water and everything. So I think uh, we don't need this giant stadium anymore. That formula is over now. And not only in India, elsewhere also. So we should have a workable stadium or venues. But... The technical specifications
0: should be absolutely perfect. Thank you so much, both of you. It it was lovely. And honestly, it was pretty uh, insightful and uh, informative listening to both of you. Uh, I really hope that the people who take these decisions in India also think on similar lines. Because otherwise, we might end up with a lot more white elephants, like you said than we need or uh, we deserve. So Thank you so much, uh, both Norris and Manisha for taking time out for the podcast. Have a good day. That's all. Thank you so much. Thank you very much.
2: Thank you, Yeah, Thanks, Sutra.